Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Finding You in the Goo with your host, Ken Bechtel. Get ready for a fun-filled hour of exploration into how you can leverage the power of amusement to reconnect with your truth and break free from life's limitations. Ken and his guests will empower you to choose life instead of strife, to choose joy instead of, oh boy, and to choose laughter instead of disaster. So sit back, relax, and get ready to take your life back. Now, here's your host, Ken Bechtel. Hello, Ken Bechtel here, your host of the Finding You in the Goo radio show. Hey, did everybody have a really good Valentine's Day? I know I did. And I hope you remember to give yourself a Valentine. You know, it's, it's kind of common for ourselves to, you know, we're in this quest. We're trying to find the most fabulous gift. We can never give that special someone in our lives. And then we forget about giving ourselves one. And, I mean, let's face it, who could be more special than yourself? Now, one of the things that's interesting about this this whole thing of forgetting to to give yourself the gift is I found this can be really true in our work as well. You know, oftentimes we're so focused on giving of ourselves to our careers that we forget we can also receive tremendous joy from the work that we do. I ran across a great quote from a Bengali poet named, I think it's Tagore. And here's how it goes. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted, and behold, service was joy. See, as we're of service, we receive the joy that is service, and service is life. And my guest today is a man who has focused on the joy of service in his work, and he's now being of service by helping others experience this joy as well. Jeff Klein is a founding trustee of Conscious Capitalism Incorporated, and authored his award-winning book, Working for Good, Making a Difference While Making a Living, to support conscious entrepreneurs, leaders, and change agents at work. An enthusiastic and practitioner of conscious business, Jeff was one of the visionaries and driving forces behind private music record company, the career of the musician Yanni, uh, the spinning fitness program, Seeds of Change, the organic and open-pollinated seed company, the Chi Running Fitness Program, and Flow, the nonprofit organization that gave rise to conscious capitalism, accelerating women entrepreneurs, and peace through commerce. 
Jeff's a passionate, he's totally passionate about connecting, collaborating, and facilitating people and processes to catalyze positive individual, social, and environmental change. Well, as you can tell, we have a real expert on our hands, and I can't wait any longer to start this conversation. So welcome to the show, Jeffrey Klein. Thank you, Ken. I'm delighted to be talking with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. You know, I'm always curious, you know, people have their their path they're on right now, but have you always kind of had this conscious capitalist bent to you? Or if not, you know, what really turned you in that direction? That's a, that's a good question. And um, I suppose the only time I didn't have the conscious capitalist bent is, you know, during my college years when maybe I thought that capitalism was a lost cause, you know, and uh, <laughs> looked in other directions. But that was short-lived. Um, I've always had a sense that um, work and business were kind of forums and platforms for personal growth and development as well as collective development and a way of channeling uh, intelligence and energy for, you know, for the greater good. And so I'd say for the past 30-some years, it's been my you know, principal focus of my work or underlying everything I've done is, you know, how can I help advance or create an enterprise that can be a healthy, you know, wholesome, successful business while really serving the greater good. And uh, over the last several years, as this conscious capitalism community has come together, realize that there are many others who've shared this understanding and who have developed a really deep understanding of how you can actually do it and that creating a business that is serves a purpose beyond yet including profitability and service to all of your stakeholders beyond just your shareholders actually creates a healthier more vibrant more uh, resilient and ultimately more profitable business. So, yeah, I've been doing this for a long time, as as, nice. as, as have many others. Excellent. So maybe it would be helpful for our listeners if you could just kind of, in a nutshell, give us a definition of conscious capitalism. Yeah, conscious capitalism, as we're defining it in the conscious capitalism community, is uh, on the level of the firm, on the level of the business, it's, it's a business that is recognizes that it has a purpose beyond just making money, right? Making money and generating a profit is essential to the health of a business, but it's not the whole thing. The same way that a human body has to produce red blood cells to survive, right? But the purpose of a, of a human being is not to produce red, red blood cells. It's mm -hmm. one of the functions and purposes. So that's one. And secondly, then related to this, is that rather than just focusing on delivering value to the shareholders, uh, conscious the, the, the people who create and run and manage, facilitate, lead a conscious business recognize that, that a business is an ecosystem, right? It's a system of interrelated and interdependent stakeholders, including customers and team members or employees and vendors and investors and the communities you do business with and even the environment. 
and that to create a healthy business, you need to have a healthy ecosystem. So you have to create value for all of the stakeholders and harmonize the interests rather than balancing and you know trade-offs if you're looking for ways to create value for all of them and to engage them all in investing, as it were, their energy, attention, good goodwill, et cetera, in the health of that ecosystem, which is that business. And then third, for that to happen, you, it requires conscious leaders. So these are people who recognize that they're in service to a purpose and they're in service to the system. And they're part of the system. When you mentioned the you know, Valentine's piece, it's not not caring for yourself, disregarding yourself, but it's recognizing that you're an integral part of that system and you need to flourish and you need attention and energy, etc., the same way all the other stakeholders do. And, um, and that you infuse the system with this, same, with this understanding. And then the fourth piece is a conscious culture. So it is a culture within the, the, the company, so leadership and employees, et cetera, that recognizes the same thing, that you're creating a, you're part of an interrelated interdependent system. And uh, that and also translating, transferring to your vendors and your customers and your communities that, that they're part of your culture, right? They're part of this living uh, dynamic ecosystem and so th that's uh that's the basic definition there are other elements but those are the the four kind of pillars and well actually one other thing i'll add is we uh we really embrace the core philosophy or understanding or principles of capitalism too which is voluntary exchange uh, the freedom to trade, the rule of law, recognize that there's certain things that facilitate, you know, healthy um, marketplace, whether it's the marketplace of products and services or even the marketplace of uh, ideas and beliefs. Is you got to have freedom, you have to have voluntary as opposed to forced interactions. So it's really, it's almost like it's own recognizing that the, the capitalist environment, the, the work environment, is kind of like a village where everybody has a role that supports each other and they are also mutually benefited by everybody else's role. Precisely. Beautifully said. Excellent. So I'm curious because I've spent a lot of time, I've been very actively involved in the green building movement for many years, and, and one of the concerns that came up as that movement became more popular and more mainstream was what was called greenwashing, where you know companies present themselves as green and their marketing and so on and so forth, but their practices don't really bear, bear that out. So I'm, I'm wondering what guidance do you have for the audience in you know, assisting and identifying both from an employee perspective as well as from a consumer you know, who is actually practicing capital, conscious capitalism? You know, are, are there clear indicators that we can look for from the outside when we view a company? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And there, there are a couple things that come to mind. The first one is we do live in an age of transparency, right? Mm -hmm. And more and more people as people, right, as citizens, as consumers, as employees, uh, are demanding authenticity right they're demanding transparency and they're you know more and more suspicious they're not just buying the line right 
advertising is less effective as, as it uh, you know traditionally was, and people are depending more on word of mouth and recommendations from people they trust. So mm-hmm. it's go- it's going to get harder and harder to hide behind your finger, as it were. You know, the Greek say, <laughs> yeah. And, and so that's one piece, and the other piece is. You know, we're very careful not to be presumptuous. And so, for instance, we're not doing a conscious capitalism certification program because we recognize that, you know, there are shades, you know, there are shades. And being conscious is an ongoing process, right? Yes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like you know, teachers that I've studied with, you know, meditation teachers that say, you know, enlightenment, one moment you're enlightened, the next minute you're not, right? It's, yep. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're not, oh, here we've arrived and that's it and we're perfect. No, it's how you show up in every moment and how you, you know, show up over time that really matters. And so with, with respect to what is a, a conscious business, well, you, you, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you know it when you see it, right? You know it when you feel it. You know it by, by how your relationship is with them as a customer, as a employee you know as a vendor as a member of the community and part of the of, of this interdependence is it's a living feedback system right so mm-hmm. if a if a if a conscious business makes certain decisions that you know you as customer or you as employee or you as investor and you individually and collectively go ah that's not really in alignment with your values and principles or with our whole you know shared values and principles and you know there's something's wrong here and it is again with the feedback and with the back and forth and the voluntary exchange in the marketplace you get to send those messages that help guide the system right guide the business so it's a dynamic kind of organic process and a real conscious business is one that's going to grow and learn and develop over time as it's the, as the you know the organs or the elements within its system interact with each other, but it's not an easy you know not a black and white answer, but it's yeah. an evolving process. Well, and I, I think a, a key thing that that you know you brought up there indirectly is even if a business is you know practicing conscious capitalism, that doesn't mean they don't make mistakes. Absolutely, they have to. They have to make mistakes, or their growth and learning will be limited. Right? Uh, exactly. I mean, growth doesn't only happen from making mistakes, but it certainly can happen, and and mistakes help the, the process of learning and growing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that's one of these. You know, we hear these really wonderful, what some people will call ideal, idealistic, you know, approaches to business. Let's say. And people are like, oh, that means it's perfect, it's flawless, they'll never, you know, go a direction that doesn't work out. And that's not true. And we need to be honest about that with ourselves. That, you know, everything that's ever moved forward, like you're saying, well, it did so because it, it made some mistakes and a lot of times we learn more from what doesn't work than what does. Yeah, that that that's uh, very well said. There's a I don't remember who it comes from, but I heard a quotation recently that says, if we're not making mistakes, then we're not doing enough, right? Yeah. And uh, Thomas Edison has a whole litany of quotations about making mistakes. I mean, he, you know, I think it was 10,000 attempts to make the light bulb or something, you know, until yeah. we got it right. It's, you know, innovation requires uh 
you know, it's trial and error, right? Trial and error and modification until until you get it right. Yeah, and there's there's again, it's a perspective type of thing, and the same as conscious capitalism of viewing it as you know, well, this can be a positive influence as opposed to a negative one, which is kind of the you know overriding approach that people a lot of people have to capitalism oh that just takes and it destroys the planet and so on and so forth when that just depends on what you do with it and i like the way that you look at it as you know capitalism is a tool and we can use it for the benefit or we can use it for you know countering the benefit so it really depends on how we approach it i ran across a quote from studs turkle and i know you're you're a fan of his work because i saw some quotes in your book and I love this one because he says most of us, like the assembly line worker, we have jobs that are too small for our spirit. Jobs are not big enough for people. And I think when we take that approach and we look outside the box and go, there's something more here than just biding my time nine to five, five days a week, maybe doing some overtime. And that facilitates, you know, what makes me gives me enough time to go do what I want to do on the weekends. But really that that whole that whole process can be that connection can be actually our being of service. Um, to the greater good overall. And we're going to run to a break real quick here, but I want folks to just kind of think about what I just quoted there from Studs Terkel. Most of us have jobs that are too small for our spirit, jobs that are not big enough for people. So think about that on the break. And for those of you who just tuned in, this is the Finding You in the Goo radio show. And my name is Ken Bechtel. I'm your host. I'm speaking here with Jeffrey Klein, the author of Working for Good. And we're talking about conscious capitalism and how we can actually be of service and make a difference while making a living. Stick around. We'll be right back. In the beginning. Contact Talk Radio started as a radio program in the local Seattle area and later became its own radio network on the Internet, broadcasting worldwide and growing. Now, for those new to the Pacific Northwest and or living in the Seattle area, Contact Talk Radio is now broadcasting in high definition. And I'm here to tell you that you can now listen to great programming in HD just by going to www.contacttalkradio.com. Find the listening tab at the top of the page and click on HD Radio. Soon you'll be in the comforts of your own home, the beach while on a picnic, or in the garage working on that, you know that list you get every weekend? Yeah, that one. Listening to your favorite shows on Contact Talk Radio in crystal clear audio. Go to contacttalkradio.com and get your HD radio today. Again, that's contacttalkradio.com. Find the listening tab, click on HD radio, and enjoy. You've heard the saying, there's power in numbers? That's the intention with the new website, pushyourwish.org. Pushyourwish.org is available for every man, woman, child, animal, business, and anything else we didn't mention that are wanting to obtain a goal or manifest a dream to the highest good of all. What you do is visit www.pushyourwish.org and add your wish, dream, or goal and let the masses who visit this site support you in manifesting your heart's desire. Remember, that's pushyourwish.org. Get more energy behind what you desire in your life and let the magic happen at pushyourwish.org. 
Did you know that you can rate this show on iTunes? The show you're listening to right now. It's true. You can leave your thoughts about the show, the topic, the guest. You can even leave a suggestion. Then before you leave, rate the show. The hosts love hearing from you, so next time you download this show from iTunes, leave your thoughts and rate the show for the hosts and for others. Welcome back. This is the Finding You in the Goo radio show. This is Ken Bechtel, your host. I'm here with Jeff Klein, the author of Working for Good. And I had just given you all a little homework there on the break about thinking about the fact that really most of our jobs are too small for our spirit. And one of the things that um, really it, it, it stuck with me, and, and I read it in your book, and it was funny because this morning I was looking for a greeting card to send to my mom for her birthday. And I'm going through the stack of cards I have in a drawer and a piece of paper falls out. And it's this old note that I had written a quote on. And it cracked me up because it was perfect for what we're going to talk about today. And it said, you're not really employed unless you're doing something you love. And if you're doing something you don't love, you're profoundly unemployed. And I'm curious, Jeff, because one of the things that you talk about in your in your work in the book is, you know, that business can be a center for fulfilling our purpose and our potential. And I'm just curious, how do you see that as happening? What's some examples of, you know, how this can really be something that helps us to, you know, really foster us being the best individuals that we can be? Wow, you've you've uh, raised a lot of uh, very profound questions in the last few minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and you're just moving through them like they're just small things, including the uh, kind of the challenge you uh, set to the um, to the listeners during the last break. So uh, I'm going to uh, see if I can unpack uh, some of these questions, in, including the last one. Excellent. So I uh, and and uh, there's a sequence. First, you talked about you know, kind of the power of capitalism in business uh, to be a positive force, and we'll come back to that at some point. And then the other one was the Spud's circle idea that jobs are too small for our spirit, right? And that you know we need uh, jobs that are you know kind of big enough, bigger and big enough for us, and then. Um, you just talked about how and um, asked, you know, how do we, uh, how do we use or how is business and work a platform for learning, growth, and development, right? Yes. So, uh, so I'll, I guess I'll start uh, backwards there with that last one. Okay. Um, you know, part of it is just is our orientation, and this this is also relates to the second one about jobs being too small. Yeah. You know, we work. We spend forty uh, percent of our waking hours throughout the course of our lifetime at work, right? But that's a lot of life, right? So yeah. most of so the, you know, one of the questions is, are we committed to learning, growth, and development in our life, right? And are we committed to, you know, tapping into our potential to be, whatever it is that we are, you know, are capable of being. And are we committed to 
connecting with and embodying, I'll say, love, you know, in our lives. Just as, you know, three small things, right? Yeah, sure. And to, so to start with, if the answer is yes to, you know, those questions or any of those questions, and we spend 40% of our life, waking hours throughout the course of our lifetime at work, then it certainly makes sense that we pursue those in the context of our work. Otherwise, we're never going to... We're never going to get there, right? Because half of our life, we're doing something else, right? Half of our energy and attention. And it's the, it's the place where we bring our productive energy. Ideally, we bring our creative energy and our attention. So, you know, you work all this time and you're, you know, you're, you're awake in the morning before you go to work. You're awake in the evening a little bit, recovering from work, if that's what it is. Or, and... Uh, so the kind of your biggest juice, in there, or at least what's being called for, is at work. So if that's if you're committed to learning, growth, and development, if you're committed to fulfilling your potential, if you're committed to you know cultivating love and other higher attributes, better do it at work, or you're not going to ever you're not going to do it. Right? That's just yeah. one thing. And secondly, if we look at work and and a business as a human social organization, right? It's a place where people come together around a common purpose, right? To do something together. I mean, that's what it is at its essence. And every business is doing something that other people, right, want and need. Otherwise, it wouldn't exist because there'd, sure. be, no, there'd be no energy flowing back to it and it would fall apart. So if the business has a purpose, and you are in it as a human being, you're kind of fulfilling that purpose, then there's got to be some meaning in there or the potential for some meaning in there. And so, we've got, you know, this is kind of to Stud's Turkle piece is maybe jobs are too small or maybe the way that we're understanding and approaching and orienting to business, you know, jobs and work is too small. If we recognize the service that a business is providing and we connect with that deeper purpose, and if we recognize that we are coming you know, to our jobs as human beings and that as businesses we have the opportunity to nurture, cultivate, you know, and honor those human beings and support their learning, growth, and development, we recognize that, 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 that we are all going to be more engaged, more turned on, as it were, healthier, happier, more creative, more productive, thus leading to a healthier enterprise, thus leading to a healthier society, right? So... It's, a, it's really each one of us, regardless of what our position is in the you know, ecosystem, whether we're an employee or, just, or customer, we can, and especially at the, at the core of leadership and you know, employees in a company, if we can recognize, hey, we're doing something that means something, and we're bringing our life force together every day, let's find a way to create the, the, you know, the conditions for us to flourish as individuals, to us flourish in relationship to each other and flourish in our teams so that our enterprise flourishes, so that our society flourishes. And if we come from that point, 
we're going to find ways to make the, the jobs are going to become bigger and more meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that we're working is going to become healthier, whether it's, you know, breaks or virtual work or, you know, team building or, you know, whatever, or time off to exercise, whatever it is that cultivates healthy human beings, that makes healthy teams, that makes healthy businesses. Um, you know, we're going to do these things because we're going to recognize that we're going to have healthier people, healthier businesses, a healthier society. And as this happens as well, the nature of how, so the nature of how we make our stuff and deliver our services is going to shift, and the nature of what we're creating is going to shift as well because we're going to go, you know, this this actually because our consciousness, our awareness is going to develop and we're going to recognize, you know, the way that we're making this is not really healthy for our team members, which is, means it's not healthy for us a business, or it's not healthy for our customers, which means ultimately we're going to be out of business, or it's not healthy for society, so none of us are going to be around for the environment. So how can we, you know shift our orientation hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. ...to make a healthier system. It's a, and this is an evolutionary process. This isn't something that happens overnight. Yes. And this, I, I, I posit that this is actually happening, Ken. This it kind of awakening or elevation or development of more expanded awareness as individuals, whether as employees or leaders... As customers, it's it's evolving, and the nature of our of our companies. I mean, there was no green building industry twenty years ago or thirty years ago, yeah. right? There was no organic food, you know, industry thirty years ago. So, and and given that society, you know, our stakeholders in the business, they're created, you know, they're as they learn and grow and develop, they're informing businesses. They're saying to the food industry, hey. We want something else. We want healthier food. Well, enough demand, more and more supply. And, you know, and the supply and, and, and the people that demand educate, you know, more people and demand increases, supply increases. You know, there's a back and forth that happens. So does this make, does this make sense? Absolutely. And, and you know, I, I want to draw a distinction with one of your points you just made about, you know, 20 years ago there wasn't green building, 30 years ago there wasn't organic food industry. Well, the reality is all those things did exist. We just got away from them, and now we have to remind ourselves that this is really what works. So there's been this, like, you know, maybe as much as 100 years of getting distracted from what really worked because we were chasing the almighty dollar, and at all costs, it was just about profits and so on and so forth. And then we're coming back to that because I I had an experience I was in – Uganda about four or five years ago, and I was in a little market, and they had a sign that said organic peaches. And my friend asked our host, we said, do you guys have a lot of organic produce here? And he goes, oh, no, no, no. Everything was organic until two years ago. Right. <laughs> and so we're just reminding people that there's a difference in your food now, and you need to make a choice. 
And right. that's really what we're doing is we kind of went asleep and just went, oh, okay, more is better. Let's just build bigger, faster, whatever. Don't really think about the ramifications on all levels of our, our environment and our, our uh, work environments. And we're starting to wake up to the fact that, wait a minute, maybe that really isn't going to take us where we want to go. And we're starting to wake up to the fact that we've got to, some of the things you talk about, you know, becoming more aware and integrating all of the people that we work with as our partners and really making this be the communities that we were before we got distracted for 100 years and went, look over here, if it doesn't have a dollar sign on it, don't bother. Now we're realizing there's a much higher value in things that maybe we can't add up on a, on a balance sheet. Yeah, it, uh, very well said. And I think it's uh, drawing on, call it traditional wisdom, and, you know, you may argue that it's been more than 100 years or maybe hundreds oh, yeah. of years. But, you know, there have been civilizations, you know, from the Inca, right, and, the, and, and the, uh, you know, the, the Romans who had, you know, call it, uh, you know, traditional agricultural practices mm-hmm. and there've been there've been you know even in the in the in the tropical rainforest slash and burn agriculture if you had enough land you know enough space over enough time it was sustainable but as you don't have as you know as much space then that technology um, you know doesn't work as well because it depletes the land and you end up with you know desert right yeah. uh, so some traditional techniques in, in some contexts were sustainable for a really, really long time. Others, maybe not so. Um, yeah. You know, building topsoil, something that the um, biodynamics and, you know, other uh, technologies have done, you know, for quite a while. Uh, those are, you know, things that we're learning now the, the significance of and how to apply them on a larger scale. Um, so it's, I think what, what, it, what it is, it's a combination of drawing on, you know, traditional, call it values and culture as well as technologies and integrating it with, you know, new insights and understandings of science and applying new technologies that allow us to uh, function on a, you know, on a higher level with, you know, more people with more complexity and create a you know, kind of a healthier uh, environment. So, that, you know, th- thus the green building industry and all that's in it. There are techniques, right, that people have used for hundreds or thousands of years, which just makes sense. Uh, you know, orienting to the sun when you build a building, mm-hmm. right? It really makes good sense. It, you can, by the way you orient to the sun and by the way you create shading for a structure, you know, you can do away with the need for electric uh, uh, heating and cooling, right, if it's done right in, in the right environment. And we face our, our the houses in many developments have no orientation to the sun. It's like the sun doesn't even exist when they, yeah. when they build them or no orientation to the wind. So getting back to just tuning into our relationship to the elements, as it were, and our senses and good sense, right? But then we can take that, all right, let's consider the, you know, orientation, and let's use state-of-the-art materials, you know, glass that, that is insulated, et cetera, that even makes the implications of why, just basic common sense orientation to the elements um, even that more effective. So Absolutely. I think we're, rather than saying going back, I think there's an integration of, you know, connecting to our sensory awareness 
and applying our conceptual cognitive, you know, capacities and bringing them together to create, you know, kind of a higher level of, uh, of orientation to, to the, you know, to life and, and, and the world. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well said. And, you know, I think that's really important that we recognize that there is a lot to be offered by what we've developed and that we can go places we've never imagined. I, I remember in the book you mentioned, um, it caught my attention because I have the same approach, and you said you love ideas, but they don't really interest you unless you know they're put into action. And one of the ideas that I love to see put into action is the power of amusement. Because from an energetic standpoint, amusement is like the the solvent. It's a universal mm. solvent. So if there's amusement, you don't your energy doesn't get stuck. But if you get really serious, you know, it's like concrete setting up. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, what role does amusement play in the work of conscious capitalism and working for good? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to ask you to define what you mean by amusement before I answer the question. Excellent. Yeah. When I talk about amusement, I'm not talking about uproarious laughter. I'm talking about levity. I'm talking about um, getting perspective to where you realize, okay, this isn't the end of the world. This is okay. I can move forward. Or, oh, golly, I can't believe it. I'm here again. Ha ha. Instead of, oh, I'm an idiot. I'm such a knucklehead for being here. So the amusement <laughs> is finding that, um, that levity or that release that allows you to move forward no matter what the situation yeah, that, that's great. I love that. And uh, so, first of all, when you're when when you take your, everything too seriously, you tend to uh, contract, right? You, you yes. tend you tend to have a narrower perspective on things, and you tend to be tighter. And when you have a narrower perspective on things, then the range of possibilities open to you are are, are limited, or more limited than otherwise. And if you're, if you're tight and tense, and energy doesn't flow, right? And ideas don't flow. You're, you get stuck. It's the, the, the Tao Te Ching says, you know, if you're, you know, stiff and brittle, you break and die. But if you're like bamboo, you can blow in the wind and not break, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's something that comes with flexibility. So the, the, what levity does is it creates an opening and an expansion, which allows life to flourish, allows energy to flourish, allows creativity to flourish, and gives you a broader purview, a bigger perspective, that, um, which means more information can come in and you're more connected with the whole uh, you know, experience, the whole environment around you. So it's an essential, essential role. And also, you know, if we're co-creating uh, you know, the world we live in, if we're tight, and narrow, then our ability to learn from others, our ability to connect with others is limited. It's, it's this is it, and this is the most important thing, and if you don't get it, you know, you're missing it. Yeah. Uh, when we're that self-important, we're disconnected. We're just absolutely mm-hmm. disconnected from others, and there's no room for learning, growth, or connection. So levity is awesome. <laughs> 
Well, I, I assumed you thought that, but I figured I'd ask anyhow because I like to ask everyone that question. Um, and partly it's just because I, I, it's so easy in our you know our culture to lose sight of that because there's so much focus on the quarterly numbers or the drama that's going on in the media or what have you, and we start to kind of forget that, oh, well, if we can have some amusement, like you said, we have some flexibility, we have space to actually be creative in our solutions and be innovative in the way we approach things and let ourselves as individuals show up because so oftentimes, especially in work environments, there's this strict criteria of here's what we do and how you look and how you act at work. And when you can open that up, it, it really opens up the possibilities for folks. So, um, well, let's take another quick break here. If you just tuned in, this is the Finding You in the Goo Radio Show. My name's Ken Bechtel. I'm your host. I am speaking here with Jeff Klein, the author of Working for Good. And we're going to take a minute or two break, and we'll be right back. Stick around. so many doubts along the way felt like life was just another bill to pay without anything to show but now i figured out that every day my fortune's always found within my faith and all i need is to let it flow Cause there's no wall around me Only fear has truly bound me And all I need is trust and I am free I'm sitting on a gold mine I'm sitting on a gold mine My treasure has been right here all the time I'm sitting on a gold mine All right Finally, I'm breaking through so many lies All those people telling me to run and hide From the truth of what I am But now I'm telling you the future's bright Tomorrow shines like diamonds in the sky And all I needed was to understand That whatever I'm believing Well, that's what I'm receiving Sitting on a gold mine. And welcome back to the Finding You in the Goo Radio Show. This is Ken Bechtel, your host. I am speaking with Jeff Klein, the author of Working for Good. Oh, and if you like that song you just heard on the break, it's called Sitting on a Gold Mine. It's by Daniel Neymar, the same gentleman who does the theme song for the show. And it's fabulous, fabulous music. He's got great songs. Uh, if you're interested in more of his music, just go to Daniel Neymar. That's N-A-H-M-O-D dot com. And you can review all his music and purchase what you like there. And I highly encourage you to support Daniel and his work. So uh, we've been talking about, you know, Working for Good. And that's a book you have, Jeff. And, and you talk about... You know, the subtitle is Making a Difference While Making a Living. And one of the things I'm curious about, I'm sure a lot of folks in the audience, they're they're not employers. They don't run their own business. They're employees. And I'm wondering what kind of guidance or, or steps folks in that position can take to, to help foster conscious capitalism within their own company so that they work for. Yeah, that, that's a really good uh, question. You, you know, first of all, the, the skills that I outline in Working for Good are really applicable for anyone in any context. Great. And I, I'll, I'll tell a quick story. I had a friend who worked at a, um, 
online travel company. And during the, the economic uh, downturn you know, a couple of years ago, they were cutting people left and right. I mean, it was sure. just, you know. And she called me up one day and she said, gosh, Jeff, you know, this is really, really horrible. Everybody's walking around, you know, nervous and scared and paranoid. And, and uh, you know, it's just horrible working fired. Like, everybody's paralyzed. And I, I said, what, what can I do? And I said, well, you know, you might want to have a conversation with your boss, right? Mm-hmm. And just acknowledge how you're feeling and acknowledge how he might be feeling because he's probably feeling the same thing. And she said, yeah, I'm sure he is. And, um, you know, just, you know, make it explicit. And she did that. And then they had a conversation with her, their team and, and, you know, said, you know, this is how we're feeling. This is what's going on. We recognize it. And what happened is they became a support group for each other. And they met frequently, like several times a week, checking in with each other. And the, the fact that they, they addressed the, you know, the pink elephant in the room and made it explicit and created a safe space where they could have conversation, they all kind of relaxed and they became really, really productive and healthy. And, and coincidentally, no one from their team was fired, you know, moving oh, nice. forward. And they had a new level of functioning. So mm-hmm. th- th- that's just one illustration of if you can... You know, you know. First of all, recognize what's going on for you. Two, carry it out and you know, express it, connect with others in a genuine, authentic way, and and you know, acknowledge what might be going on from them. You can create a context for you know, collaboration and group learning. So anyone can have an influence on a system, right? One by how we you know cultivate ourselves and orient to that, and then two, how we bring it out into you know into our community so to speak so the 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 the, uh, the challenge or the opportunity for for all of us is what do you what what can i do what can you do to yeah. cultivate your own capacity right you've got this this capacity and then and how can you bring it appropriately to others whether it's your colleagues first or bosses or whatever it is how can you bring it to the system so, yes, we can all influence the systems that we engage with, the businesses. And as customers, you know, how can we, you know, bring our position as a customer, our position as an investor to inform, you know, the businesses that we're connected with? Yeah, that's, that's interesting because that story reminds me of, you know, the stories we all heard at, at the beginning of the economic downturn where companies were, you know, asking their employees to all take a cut in work hours so that everybody could keep their job. They just had a little less overall hours as opposed to going, we have to cut, you know, 50% of you so that some of you can keep a full-time job. And ultimately, even though that was came from management, if those individuals hadn't agreed to do that, they would have created an environment where management said, well, we've got to cut costs somewhere. So then you're forcing us to fire some people. Right. And so it took those individuals actually being conscious about, well, what's the bigger picture here? And how can we really work within what you called the ecosystem earlier that is our work environment to make this work for everyone? Exactly. Excellent. Exactly. So I'm wondering here, because um, one of the things that you talk about in the book is 
you know, having a solid foundation and it's things you called meta skills like, you know, awareness and compassion and love and and what are some of those core skills that we can develop to support us as we journey towards a more conscious capitalistic environment? Well, you named three of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and, you know, I would say the, you know, probably the, the, the most essential meta skill there is awareness because yeah. as we cultivate awareness and we bring it into, uh, you know, into action, embodiment, then, you know, love and compassion naturally emerge. Is, is my understanding and my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, say, I'm going to cultivate love. You know, th- th- that um, it takes awareness first to be able to recognize, for, for instance, when you're not, when you are or aren't uh, embodying love. And yep. as, again, going back to your kind of Valentine's uh, wish, as it were, um, and that idea of loving yourself. The, the, the first and probably most important place to exercise and cultivate awareness is awareness of what is going on, you know, with you, right? What is it that, you know, are your thoughts running away with you, right? Are you telling stories, you know, or are you holding tension in your body that's just affecting everything you do? And can you recognize that, um, are you, uh, you know, when you walk into a room, right, are people, like, turning and running the other direction, you know? You know, what effect are you having on other people, right? It's really just starting to observe what's going on in and around you is a, is a really power. It's not about being self-absorbed and, and uh, you know, narcissistic, but it's being conscious of, aware of what's going on and its effects. Its effects on you, its effects on others. Um, that you start, and then you know, as you as you go out and and start to connect with others, you can see the effect that they have on you, right? And and as you uh, cultivate an under, understanding of, okay, if we're creating a work team or a business, you know, what are the principles that we're going to be operating under? And if one of the principles is, you know, openness and um, you know honesty, and if you can actually practice that you know, create the, the conditions that you can practice that, you see what happens when you bring awareness in, you know, safe communication with others and watch what happens. It's pretty incredible. Um, the level of trust that develops and then the creativity, the productivity, the collaboration, they, they all, and it really all begins with, uh, with awareness. Excellent. Well, I, I, I really... I love what you're talking about there because, you know, that that's very much an individual thing. And I want to make clear for folks that your book, even though people might look at it as like, oh, it's a it's a business manifesto. It's 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 really for the individual, because, like you said, we all play a role in this ecosystem called our work environment. And whether you're the guy sweeping up the hallways or you're the person in the, you know, the CEO's office. Everyone bringing their awareness to the game and creating those conversations and engaging people on a different level than they have in the past where it was just about me and my paycheck is what's going to help shift this and get us to that point of a more conscious capitalistic environment quicker. Would you agree? 
Yeah, I, I would agree. No, it's funny. I've got the, my book uh, sitting next to me here, and on the cover is a is kind of a testimonial from John Mackey, the co-CEO yep. of Whole Foods. And I, I, I just, I mean, I look at this and I go, yeah, this is exactly what I, my intention is with the book. And John says, you know, that, what, Jeff, you know, I, I provide insights on how to uncover one's best self and help co-create businesses where everyone flourishes. So it's that, you know, recognizing that work and business is where we put our energy. And if we're going to, you know, kind of uncover and, and activate and cultivate our potential, right, to be our best in every respect and co-create social systems, right? A business is a social system where everyone flourishes. Exactly. Um, exactly. That's what it's about. That's what it's yeah, about. Yeah, and, and you know, for those of you folks listening here, I mean, what Jeff and I have been talking about today, you know, it's it's really that making a difference in the way you make a living is it's something you can experience when you get free from the goo in your life as I look at it, you know. <laughs> and there's a great way to start and that's by, you know, Getting the Goo Removal Toolkit that's available on my website, just go to findingyouinthegoo.com. That's findingyouinthegoo, spelled G-O-O dot com, and sign up to have that sent out to you because learning those basic tools that assist you in removing the goo that's in your life as an individual, that's going to help you to reconnect with your passion so you can get really clear about what it is that, that you want to do to make a difference in the world. You know, and, and again, it's it's interesting because one of the things that... that you know, you mentioned in the book, Jeff, is, you know, it's one thing to have awareness and, and that's essential. But if it's not embodied, if you don't take action with it, then the effects of that awareness are minimized. And, and I run into people all the time. They're like, yeah, I've, I've, I got your toolkit. I'm like, oh, great. Are you working with it? Well, no, I haven't ever listened to it yet. <laughs> and it's kind of this misnomer of, well, we just collect this information and this awareness, but until we employ it, it doesn't really make that big of an impact in our lives or the lives of those people we care for. So I really encourage you, once you download this, practice the tools as often as necessary. It doesn't take long, and eventually, you know, in short order, you'll have these and they'll just be wrote. They'll be in your, your makeup. They'll be integrated into your life. And these are the exact same tools that I've used every day for the last 15 years to get rid of stress and release all that icky, yucky, gooey energy, you know, that, that, that doesn't serve me, that keeps me from being of service and receiving the joy that is what you receive when you're of service. So I really encourage you, don't wait any longer. Go out to the Finding You in the Goo website. That's findingyouinthegoo.com. Sign up and get your goo removal toolkit now. And, you know, start doing that. And, oh, also, while you're on the website... Um, if you go to the top, there's a tab for radio, and you'll see underneath that there's a tab for previous guests. And I really encourage you to go there because I've got all the links to get to Jeff's website, the Working for Good website, and you can find out a lot more about what he's doing there. Um, there's a wonderful video that really helps kind of anchor his work and what's important for him and where he's going with this. Uh, and obviously you can pick up your copy of the book there as well. So I really encourage you to do that. Um, this is something that, that I, I can't even emphasize enough, just how important it is that we all take responsibility as individuals. And if we don't like something, well, bring our awareness to what it is that we want, not what we don't want, but what do you want to replace what you're not happy with? And then bring that to work. 
share it with other people, bring it up in meetings, so on and so forth, whatever steps it takes to tactfully and politely present what would really work for you. Because nobody else knows what will work for you. You have to make that decision yourself. And sometimes it's a different employer. Sometimes it's a different career. But a lot of times it's just declaring what's important for you right where you already are. And then you can transition to something that is a more conscious experience for you in the capitalistic world, in the uh, work world, where, as Jeff mentioned earlier, we spend at least 40% of our lives. So we may as well make the most of it. And the only way we're going to do that is by bringing ourselves forward into that space. Um, unfortunately, we're running out of time. So <laughs> that's all the time we have for this week. And, and I thank you all for listening. I definitely thank you, Jeff, for, for really sharing with us the future of what business can be through the lessons that you're sharing in your book, Working for Good. And, and it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you here this morning. But it's been my pleasure, too, and I uh, just want to close by saying it's the way business can and will be is if we all work together to uh, make it such. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And, and, folks, remember, life's too short to stay stuck. So now's the time. Go to the website. Get the toolkit. Look up Jeff's information under the previous guest tab and get his book because this information is vital to having the life that we all wish we had already and it's not going to happen until we take action from the awareness that we have so thanks again make sure to be back here next week next thursday at 8 a.m pacific time for another fabulous show bring your friends bring your family they will thank you for it have a great week peace thank you for listening to finding you in the goo with your host ken bechtel to contact Ken or download this show, go to findingyouinthegoo.com forward slash radio. That's findingyouinthegoo.com forward slash radio. And while you're there, sign up to receive updates on future guests and pick up your free Goo Remover Starter Kit to support you and getting out of the goo. Join us again next week at 8 a.m. Pacific Time. And remember, your life is up to you.